0: Hello, welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. How are you guys doing this morning? 11 o'clock. Come on, are we awake? You're about to be. I used to be a youth pastor. Don't blame It's... Comes with the territory. So, so I get the privilege this morning um, of sharing God's word with you. But first, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Willie, and I've been um, on staff here at the church for 13 years, um, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. So, s- started out in junior high ministry. Any former junior high students in here? Crickets. They're coming tonight. They're coming tonight. We got, and then i so I was in junior high ministry for a couple years, moved into high school ministry and served in the high school ministry for um, 10 years. I see some former leaders up in here. Come on. Um, shout out to Joey. Come on, Joey. And, uh, um, and now um, I'm the next gen pastor. So I get to oversee college and young adults and young couples and young families. And it is just a privilege and an honor to, to serve in that capacity. Um, it, yeah. Come on. See, we have a lot of fun. We do. You guys are all like, we're coming on Thursday nights. We're going to get our next gen fill. Um, and, and personally, um, if, if you have never met my wife, my wife is amazing. She was here last service. Her name is Jane. But Jane and I, we have three kids, and uh, they're the cutest kids in the world. Look at them. Just look at them. One, actually, first, first, just look at my wife. Jesus, how did that happen? I'm like I I'm a blessed man. And and then uh so my wife's Jane, she's amazing. She works for an organization called World Relief and helps with refugees and getting them resettled in the, into this community. Um Eden, on the on your right, she is 8 years old going into 3rd grade this next year. Isaac is on the far side and he is um 6 turning 7 and will go into 1st grade this year and then Ember in the middle is 5 years old and and her, she her name She's fire. The girl is, she's spicy. And uh, she's going to be in kindergarten. And uh, um, I just love my family, and they love being a part of our church community. So I'm really, really grateful for you to see them. So this is the final message in the Encountering Jesus series. And it is honestly an, an honor and a privilege to get to um, share this with you. And we've had some great, some great times really digging into what does it look like um, to encounter Jesus. And, and the word encounter, it means to come face to face. And so over the course of the past few months, we have been really looking at what does it look like to come face to face with Jesus, to really encounter Jesus. And it's my hope today that you would encounter Jesus, that you would encounter him in a personal and in a life-changing way. And for anyone that knows me, Um, You know that when I preach or when I'm in a a ministry, um, I don't believe in spectator sports. And so if we're going to encounter Jesus, we actually are going to encounter him together in community. We're going to encounter him with each other. And so if you came today thinking, I'm just going to sit by myself and I'm not going to talk to anyone and I'm just, sorry, but you are, Um, or you might, you you have a choice, it's a free free country. Um, So, so. We're going to pray, but we're going to dive into this together, all right? So, Jesus, we just thank you so much for being present in our midst. We thank you um, for the depths of love that you have for us. And we ask that, um, Holy Spirit, you would come, that you would fill me, that you would speak through me, God, um, and that you would really teach me and teach us together um, the depths of your word and, and all that you have for us today. So we love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. So when I think about encountering Jesus, the disciples come to mind. Um, these guys, they literally encounter Jesus. The, they initially were just going about their lives. They were doing their thing. They were comfortable. They were fishermen, hanging out in the boat, probably pretty smelly. They were tax collectors, taking people's money, you know. They, they were just living their life. And they were comfortable living their life. Um, and they didn't know really what they were missing, but I can only imagine that they really um, felt like there was something that they that was missing in their life. They 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 didn't know yet, um, but I, I I know that they felt um, that there was more. And uh, I, I grew up in Sacramento. And uh, anyone from Sacramento, go go Kings! Um, um, I, grew, I grew up in Sacramento. And, and growing up in Sacramento, after um, like football games and baseball games or basketball games, um, we would always go to Taco Bell. And uh, it was like the place where everyone went. And, uh, and I would always go and I would get a Burrito Supreme, okay? And, uh, and I was like, you know, I wasn't just going for the little bean and cheese. I was like, I'm going for the gusto. Let's get the Burrito Supreme. And uh, I thought it was the best thing in the world, Right. And I was content with my Burrito Supreme. And then I moved down here and went to UCSD for college. And my friends were like, you have not had a burrito yet. Um, I'm like, I ran for the border. I've hung out with the Chihuahua. Like, I've had a burrito. And they're like, no, you haven't really had a burrito. And they're like, so they took me to Roberto's off Miramar Road down in La Jolla. and And they ordered me a carne asada burrito. My life, my life and my waistline was changed for eternity. Um, Literally prior to that, I I thought that what I had was amazing. And I didn't know what I was missing until I tasted something that was more. I mean, there was real meat in that carne asada burrito. It was amazing. It was amazing. And so the disciples, they were going about their normal life. They were going about business as usual. And then they encountered Jesus. They encountered Jesus. Jesus. And in Mark chapter one, verse 16, it says this. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, which is Peter, and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. So, when we look at the disciples and their lives, the disciples were literally just going about their normal life. They have this encounter Jesus, with Jesus, and Jesus literally says, Come follow me. And they left everything. Since they left their nets, their livelihood, they left everything to follow Jesus. They went from a place of total comfort, going about their normal lives. They were totally comfortable. And they responded by giving their whole lives to the call of Jesus. Now, when I think about you and I, this is where things are gonna get a little cozy, okay? Um, I, I know that there are a lot of us in here who are following Jesus. And there are things that you and I have had to let go of and leave behind in order to follow Jesus. For me, I had to leave behind the desire um, to, to, to the seeking of approval from other people. Um, before I knew Jesus, I really longed for approval from people. And and when in reality, I only needed approval from the Lord. Like, I just needed his approval. And so, what I want you guys to do in this moment is to turn... and You're going to take a couple minutes... And, and break up into groups of like, you know, two, three, four max, um, and turn and share something that you had to leave behind in order to follow Jesus. And if you're here today, and you're like, oh, I'm just kind of checking out this whole Jesus thing. Um, I'm not really sure, you know, that I've ever had to leave anything behind yet. Um, you could just share something that, that would be potentially hard for you to leave behind. All right. So take a couple minutes, turn, introduce yourselves to a couple people around you, and share what would be, what has been hard for you to leave behind in following Jesus the 9 a.m. service it literally was like herding cats I was like I was like okay guys let's come on come come back together um so so give me some of the some of the things so what were some of the things raise a hand and I'll call on you but what were some of the things that you had to leave behind yeah Acceptance from other people, yeah. What else? Hand, give me a hand up. Yeah, there you go. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. That's powerful. That's powerful, yeah. Rowdy friends, who were hostile towards- <laughs> Rowdy friends who were hostile towards Jesus. We can relate to that, yeah. <laughs> I had some of those, yep. Back there, all the way in the back. Anxiety, Anxiety. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Pride, Pride. yep. Yeah. Yeah, personal earthly desires for God's desires. Yeah. Selfishness, our own selfishness. Yeah. Trust. trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. trust. Yeah, she needed to trust only in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Revenge. Revenge. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I got one back there. Control. Control. Yeah. One more, yeah. Anger, Anger. yeah, yeah. Y'all, come on. You guys went deep, good, good. (laughs) We're we're like, we don't want to encounter Jesus up here. We want to go to the depths, all right? Come on, let's go, let's go. So in Luke 9.23, it says this. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So in order to follow Jesus, he's saying that we have to let go of our lives, die to ourselves daily. And when I think about the disciples and them encountering Jesus, when they encountered Jesus, they did just that. They literally left everything behind in order to follow Jesus. And then as they have left everything behind, they've walked with him, they've, they've had countless meals with him. They've served with him. They've seen, seen healings take place. Um, Jesus is, has, has poured into their lives for three years. And at the end of that three years, this moment happens where Jesus, he does what he said was going to happen. He dies. He dies on the cross. And in that moment, I really feel like if if I was putting myself in the disciples' shoes, I've given my whole life for Jesus. I've given up everything. I've left everything behind. And then Jesus is gone. Yeah, he said he was going to be gone, but but... I didn't. You know that moment where you, where you know something's going to happen, but you don't really think it's going to happen? I can only imagine that the disciples were kind of in that place when Jesus was crucified. That they knew, Jesus said it was going to happen, but it doesn't feel real until it actually happens. And I can only imagine that the disciples must have just felt like, wait, what? They had been living these comfortable lives and, and doing their own thing. And they left everything behind, all the comforts of their own life, in order to walk out the calling that Jesus had for them. They're walking in this calling, and then Jesus is gone. And I can only imagine that the disciples went from a place of, of being confident in, in the call that they were walking in with Jesus to a place of utter confusion. I I, I can only imagine that that in in the midst of... of Jesus being gone, that they had that feeling of like shock and disarray and just like, what is going on? That their worlds were just flipped completely upside down. Put yourself in their shoes for a moment, right? This man that they'd been walking with all of a sudden was gone. And I think the disciples also were probably grieving. And so we're going to walk through John 21 and John 21 is, um, is another time where Jesus encountered the disciples after his resurrection. You know, when Jesus resurrected, um, the interesting thing about Jesus' appearances after the resurrection um, where it was kind of like he kind of cramered, you know, Seinfeld, he kind of crammed in, like, hey guys, I'm here, I'm in the room. And then next thing you know, he's gone again. And then he's walking beside him on the road, hey guys, I'm here. And then he was gone again. And then he's in the upper room again, and then he's gone. And so this encounter in John 21 is roughly like probably about two weeks, eight to 14 days after Jesus had resurrected. So we're going to start in verse one, and we're just going to walk quickly through the passage. So it says this. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So let's pause there real quick. So these guys get together. They're on the Sea of Galilee. And Peter says, yeah, I'm going to go fish. So in times of grief or trauma... One of the things that we oftentimes do is is we'll run back to things that make us feel comfortable and safe. And so the disciples, they felt really safe on boats. They felt really safe and comfortable fishing. It was kind of like, think of when you go back home, right, to wherever you grew up and you eat that comfort food. You either go to that restaurant or your mom or your relative cooks that meal that, that just makes you feel like at home. These guys just went back to what felt comfortable and safe. They were grieving. The other thing that takes place when, when you're grieving is that you don't always think clearly and you don't always see clearly. And we're going to see that the disciples experienced a little bit of that in a moment. So it says, these guys, they say, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. That's a long night. If you fish, you know that's a long night. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So when I would read this passage growing up, I, I, even recently, I, I would read it and I would think, how did they not know? They've just spent the past few years with Jesus and he's standing on the shore. And, and you see in the gospels that each of the post-resurrection encounters with Jesus, oftentimes people didn't know. They didn't recognize him. They, they didn't realize that it was Jesus. And I remember thinking, why? Why didn't they recognize that it was Jesus? Well, there's a prophecy in Isaiah 52 about the coming Messiah. And it says this in verse 14. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. In 1955, there's a 14-year-old young black man named Emmett Till. Some of you have heard of Emmett Till. Um, he, was, um, uh, he was lynched for supposedly catcalling a white woman in a grocery store. And Till was abducted from his home the night that that happened. Um, he was beaten. He was tortured. He was shot. And his lifeless body was thrown into a lake. And when his body was found, his face was almost unrecognizable. And I remember, as a teenager and, and beyond, um, seeing images of Emmett Till. Recently, even as I was researching this message, seeing images of Emmett Till, and you see these pictures of him before that happened, and then there are pictures of him, you know, oftentimes um, in black culture, we have open casket funerals, regardless of the state of, of the deceased. And you see pictures of him in this open casket. And his face was almost unrecognizable. And Jesus, he was beaten beyond recognition. His face probably had scars on it from being beaten. His body had scars on it from being beaten. He had scars from the crown of thorns that he wore on his head. You know, I grew up thinking, you know, picturing Jesus post-resurrection, thinking Jesus just had holes in his, his hands, you know, and, and not really fully grasping that Jesus, the scars, were, they weren't just in his wrists. His body was scarred because of what he endured on that day leading up to the cross. It wasn't just the nails from the cross it was all that he walked through. And so the disciples, yeah, they didn't recognize him. But part of it, I believe, is because he was beaten beyond recognition. It says this in verse 5. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Sound familiar? (laughs) Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. He probably was like, ah, it's Jesus, right? Right? And it says, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. So first off, you see, the disciples didn't, they didn't fully recognize that it was Jesus until they heard him speak. They recognized his voice. And once they realized it was Jesus, Peter was like, I'm in the water. I'm going to put on my put my robe back on. I can't show Jesus my, I gotta give him my Sunday best, right? He puts his robe back on and he can't can't wait for the boat to get to the shore. He jumps out and he swims for Jesus. He's so excited to see Jesus. He's so excited to see him. And it says this, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals There with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 of them. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. So I love this. The disciples were comfortable living their own lives. They step in their calling and they start walking with Jesus. He's crucified and they move from their calling into a, a place of being confused. And as they're starting to move out of this place of confusion, Jesus takes time just to sit with them. He does what's been characteristic of Jesus throughout the gospels. He gives an invitation for them just to come and do something really normal. Come and eat with me come and spend time with me. He invites them to have breakfast with him. You see, Jesus constantly throughout the Gospels was inviting people to experience life with him, to encounter him in very normal, very regular things. And he does it again with the disciples. We see this, this phrase, come, Jesus, that invitation, he says, um, come unto me, He says, come and rest in the gospel. He says, come follow me early on and I'll make you fishers of men. And again, in this situation, he's saying, come and have breakfast with me. And it says, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was Jesus. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So Jesus has appeared three different times to the disciples. A couple of the times around the upper room and this time on the Sea of Galilee. And then Jesus does something. It says in verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he takes Simon Peter um, compassionately out of care for his friend, He wants to have just this honest conversation with him. This is the same Peter that had denied Jesus three times. The same Peter that had said, Jesus, I'll die with you, you know? The same Peter that cut off the soldier's ear. Jesus says to Peter, he says, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, I love you too, Peter. You are so special to me. No, that's not what Jesus said. <laughs> Jesus says to him something that is, is actually more difficult than saying I love you back. In this situation, Jesus could have said, um, Simon Peter, come with me and serve alongside of me. He could have said, Simon Peter, I've got an assignment for you to do. That could have been the first thing that, that Jesus said to Simon Peter. Simon Peter. But instead, Jesus says, do you love me? Love is a very intimate thing. He said, are are, are we in relationship with each other? Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? So he says, do you love me? And, and, And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me, follow me. I love this, this interaction that Jesus has with Peter. Peter never comes to Jesus and and apologizes. Jesus doesn't point out Peter's sin. He doesn't point out the fact that that Peter denied him. He he, he doesn't point out all of Peter's faults and say, here's all these hoops that you need to jump through to get to me. Jesus does not do that. He just simply asks him, do you love me? He knew that Peter's heart was repentant. A friend of mine, um, he and I were having dinner last night. And, and he had listened to a sermon, and he, he said something that stood out to me about the sermon I was listening to. He said, finding Jesus and forgiveness is easy. But the church makes it hard. But following Jesus is hard. And the church makes it easy. You see, with Peter, forgiveness from Jesus, it was easy. Jesus didn't point out all Peter's flaws. He just said, hey, do you love me? Do you love me? He cooked Peter breakfast in the midst of Peter denying him. He didn't make Peter jump through hoops. But Peter knew that following Jesus was no easy task. When Jesus said, follow me, he had just described to Peter what kind of death he was going to die that his life was not going to be easy, that it was going to be hard. See, Jesus didn't invite Peter into complacency. He didn't invite Peter into comfort. He invited Jesus. He actually commissioned Jesus, i sorry, he commissioned Peter um, to walk out Jesus's kingdom purposes and plans. And when I think about Peter, And I think about us as a church. I look at this progression that the disciples walk through from their own comfort to walking in the calling that Jesus had for their lives. From walking in the calling that Jesus had for their lives to a place of confusion with with Jesus being crucified and and taken away. But then from that place of confusion, Jesus walks them into a commission. He invites them to, to come with him. He says, Peter, follow me follow me, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He doesn't say, if you love me, just hang out and, and sing kubaya, right? He says, if you love me, do the work of my kingdom. He commissions them to do the stuff. And as, as we're thinking about this, we've, you and I, we've been, over the course of the past 15 months, it's been a crazy journey, right? Uh, January 2020, I remember thinking, this is going to be an awesome year. It's going to be amazing. God's doing such amazing stuff. It was like, life was great. I don't know about you, but life felt great, right? right. The church, there was a lot of life in the church. Uh, friendships, I, I my family had just moved. It was like new life. There was a lot of just amazing stuff that was taking place. Things were going fine. We were all very comfortable. And and And, and then in... March, COVID hits, and all of a sudden, everything was flipped upside down and felt very strange and unsettling. And you and I, it, it, maybe not you, but I can speak for myself. Um, many of us, just as the disciples, in that feeling of, of uh, grief and trauma, as they returned to what was comfortable for them, Many of us, we went back to things that were very comfortable and familiar for us. For me, I went back to my childhood guilty pleasure, and I started playing video games again. <laughs> my wife would be like, she'd hear, tut, 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 and it was my thumbs on the Switch, and I just was playing the Nintendo Switch, and it was like, me and Mario, we were, we were bonding over, over, over COVID. Um, so some of us went back to things that made us feel comfortable or safe. Some of us lost friends and family to the virus. We oftentimes retreated to our respective corners in order to to find solace in the things that we could control. Some of us retreated into our political corners. Some of us retreated into kind of the corner of justice. Some retreated into um, the corner of, of isolation. Um, some of us grabbed a hold of unhealthy relationships that we had separated ourselves from. There are things that we retreated to just to, to, to find comfort. And just as the disciples went back to fishing, they went back to our boats, some of us went back to our, our boats, right? And now that we're taking off our masks and re-entering day-to-day life, we want things to go back to, to the way they were. How many of you guys have said, I'm guilty of this, right? How many of you have said, I can't wait for things to be back to normal? Raise a hand. Okay, right? Almost all of us. If you haven't said it, you've heard it said. I can't wait for things to go back to normal. But pre-COVID normal, at least for me, when looking back, I'm like, it was about me. Pre-COVID normal was about me. And, and it, And I believe that Jesus, he isn't just inviting us back into a place of comfort. He isn't inviting us us back into a place of of normal, Um, but he's actually inviting us just as he told Peter, feed my sheep, follow me. He's inviting us into more. He's inviting us into life with him. You see, when you encounter Jesus, when you truly encounter Jesus, things change. Things change. I That... Burrito, when, when, when I, when I if, if, if I had moved down here and just said, you know what? I'm good with my burrito supreme. I don't want to t- taste your, your carne asada burrito. I would have missed out on a food explosion, right? I would have missed out on so much. But, but my friends were like, no, you got to try this. You have to experience this. It's going to change your world, Right. If, if we, if the followers of Jesus, if we just say, you know what, I just want to go back to normal, I want to hang out in my boat and I just want to fish. If the disciples had have done that, you and I wouldn't be sitting in this room. If Peter had stayed in the boat, we literally, who knows what God would have done? Uh, we can right, but we may not even be sitting in this room. But the disciples were willing to follow Jesus, whatever the cost. They were willing to let go of their lives and pursue him regardless of how hard it was going to be. And I want to encourage you and myself as the church, let's not go back to normal, right? Let's not go back to how things were. Not that things before were bad, but I really believe that Jesus has more for us That he wants us to go deeper and further with him. That there are encounters that he wants to have with you and and with me that are not just for us, but that are to change this world. I think, look around this room full of people. We came together this morning because we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Growth. We can't grow with God and stay where we're at, right? We have to move. He's calling you and I to step out in faith and do the work of the kingdom. And that stepping out in faith is not easy. And sometimes it, it, it's like we as a people, we love it when things are clear and everything is drawn out perfectly in front of us. Here's my roadmap and this is what I'm doing. Well, you better bet none of us had a roadmap last March, right? right. And right now as we're coming out of things, there's no roadmap for what the world is, what's happening in the world right now. Jesus knows so what's the best thing that we can do is follow him. There's, this is dating myself. Some of you young cats have seen this movie, but there's an Indiana Jones movie um, where Indiana Jones gets, he, he comes to this, this this opening in a cave and he needs to get to a doorway that's across from him. And there's nothing in front of him. It looks like there's nothing in front of him. And, and he kick some dust out, and there's an invisible kind of pathway that he has to walk across. And he's like, oh my gosh, there's something in front. But he literally has to walk on this invisible pathway and trust that he's not going to fall. And God is calling you and me to this place of utter, blind, in some senses, trust. He's calling us to follow him into the unknown, He's calling us to experience life with him. And I promise you that if you trust Jesus with your life, you will experience what he calls life to the full. He wants that for us. That's that's it, right? And life to the full, guys, it's not just for you and me, but it's for this world outside of these walls. I'm going to call the worship team out and, and as they come out, um, for me, I had this experience in college where I was walking with Jesus, and I had be, given my life to the Lord. I was walking with him. Life was great. And there was a night that I was hanging out with one of my roommates, and, and he's like, we were talking about um, just wanting more of God. We were talking about wanting to dive deeper with God. And that night, I had a choice. I could either choose to go deeper with the Lord, or I could just stay where I, where I was. And so I started to pray and just ask God, like, God, I want more of you. I want more of you. And I started to pray. My buddy was like, just tell the Lord how much you love him. And I was like, I love you, God, because of this. I love you, God, because of that. I love you, God, because of this. And my friend was like, No. Like, from your heart, tell the Lord how much you love him. And I was like, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And then next thing I know, my heart, this, started to change. And I had this crazy encounter with the Holy Spirit that has changed me for eternity, literally. It didn't start, it didn't happen because of my own efforts John 14, 21, though, it says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Because as disciples, Peter was able to say, yes, Lord, I love you, because he knew the depths of love that Jesus had for him. In that moment, I I was able to say to God, I love you so much, because I knew the depths of love that God had for me. And when we experience the love of God, just as the disciples did, the thing that happens is that our desires change. And instead of wanting things for ourselves, we want, we want his purposes and his plans. And so this morning I want to encourage you that God's love is for you and he's beckoning you to come follow him. He wants to encounter you. Now there are some of you hearing this today, and I know whenever it's like I gotta step out and, and, and things are gonna change. Sometimes it, there's resistance in here because life is comfortable. But I believe that God, God is calling you to more. And so for those of you who are feeling resistant, I just want to ask the question, what's keeping you in the boat? Just think about what's keeping you in the boat. Some of the disciples didn't jump out like Peter did. They kind of hung back. And they could have even stayed out in the, in the water. So what's keeping you in the boat? second group there's some of you here today and you're feeling Jesus's love for you and you know that there's more and just as Peter had that encounter with Jesus and he said do you love me and Peter said yeah and Jesus said well feed my sheep there's some of you here today that Jesus is saying come get out get out of the boat come come with me follow me feed my sheep and you're thinking well how do I do that what does this more look like well sometimes the more it looks like stepping outside the front door and walking to your next-door neighbor's house and, and saying, hey, I haven't seen you for a while. How's it going? Sometimes it looks like talking to the single mom that lives down the street from you that has four kids and going, hey, I wanted to invite you over for dinner. Come on over. You don't have to cook today. Come on over and hang out with us. Sometimes it's, it's that it's reach, there's that person at your work that you see that shows up every day and just sits by themselves and leaves by themselves and has no connection with other people. Sometimes it takes just you taking a moment and saying, hey, I'd love to get coffee with you. Tell me your story. Guys, it's not always this grandiose thing, right? Jesus may not be telling you to sell your house and go move to the middle of nowhere in the Amazon, right? But he is calling us to let go of our lives and to follow him and to follow him. And so, if you are here today and you are feeling like, God, there's more, I know that there's more, and I want to walk in the more. I want to experience and encounter Jesus and live out more. I want to follow him. If that's you today, I want to challenge you to do something. I want you to stand to your feet and I want to pray a blessing over you. Amen. Jesus. Actually, take a moment, real quick. Just look around you real quick. Just look around you. Think of what God can and will do with all of these lives here that are saying, Jesus, I'm willing to leave everything. I'm willing to follow you. I'm, I'm willing to pursue you. I'm willing to give up my life for your sake. Just think of what God can do with all, all of us pursuing God and saying, God, have your way in my life. Because this world is gonna change. This city is gonna change. Carlsbad is gonna change. Because of your obedience, the depths of love that you have for him, it's gonna change. So Jesus, we come before you and I just pray a blessing over our church. God, thank you that you don't call us um, just to do church or just to play church, but you call us to be the church. God, we are your bride. We are the body of Christ. God, and we thank you so much for the depths of love that you have for us. We thank you so much, Jesus, for how you have literally poured out your life so that we could experience life to the full in you. Jesus, I pray today that each and every person in this room would be filled to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. I pray that as you pour out your life-giving love into us, God, that we be a people who then turn and give that love away. Jesus, we cannot go with you and stay where we're at. So God, we choose to go. We choose to follow. We choose to say yes to you. We love you so much, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.